0: What would you do if you have to start your career as a fashion photographer today? This is one of the questions our guest is about to answer. You're listening to the Fashion Photography Podcast and my name is Virginia. I'm a fashion advertising photographer and also the host of this podcast. Along with George, the producer of the show, every Wednesday we're arranging a meeting between you and some of the top artists in the industry. And every other Friday, I'm answering your questions. And of course, I'm giving you some tips and little tricks. Our guest today has been on the market more than 10 years. So, today we will talk about the rapid changes in the industry and how instead of quality, nowadays we have to deliver quantity. We're also playing my most favorite game. So, Daniel will have to imagine making his very first VOG cover. And this way, we'll understand what would be the steps of an experienced photographer creating such an important story. And you'll get the chance to imagine the same, your photo on the cover of a magazine. And this, by the way, can easily become a reality if you submit your fashion or beauty editorial to our friends from Lucy's magazine. So, photography lovers, I think it's time to start!
1: Hello, my name is Daniel Matayana. I'm a fashion photographer and videographer based in New York.
0: But you haven't been based there always, right?
1: No, I was born and raised in Colombia. I went to school for cinema in Bogota. Mm-hmm. And while I was studying, almost at the end of my school, I ended up having the chance to do the campaign for a Colombian designer. Oh, He was probably top five at the time. And that gave me the idea that I should just go this way.
0: How did you get the chance to shoot for this designer?
1: I approached them.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of luck. A friend and I, we went asking for clothes because we wanted to shoot models. We wanted to start doing fashion. And for whatever reason, we ended up talking to the first assistant. They were not going to do a campaign for that collection, but we went there and he kind of looked at my portfolio. I was just coming out of school. I really didn't have much fashion. I had travel, so I had photos of like different cities and urban shoots, but nothing fashion. You know, this is why we were going to all these designer houses to try to find some clothes to start and to try to start doing PR. And it just happened that we were at the right time in the right place. and um,
0: How many years ago you did that?
1: This is 2008.
0: Oh, okay. So we have like a proper 10 years. And would you recommend to someone to do it today, to approach designers to start work with them?
1: I think that in these 10 years, things have changed so dramatically that I think the way to approach people is completely different. And it also depends on where you are because if you're in new york there's no way you can do that it's just like there's no access to it
0: well what would you recommend to the people to do if they're in new york or somewhere else because in this podcast what we are really trying to do is to help people and I firmly believe that we can be positive and if we're helping each other, the industry is going to go better. Yes. So what would you recommend to someone who is absolutely lost? They are in New York right now or somewhere around the world and they're just trying to do their best to go and be part of this
1: industry. What I can tell you for sure is it doesn't work the same everywhere. So there is not a recipe for getting this to happen. Because the industries are very different. If you go to Paris, the ateliers, they're still sometimes small. They still sometimes you get to see these buildings where the designer, like Jean-Paul Gaultier, still working there in his atelier with his people. But if you come to New York, Donna Karan is in a building with a thousand people. So the level of and corporation and the way you manage the business is different. Like to get an appointment with Donna Karan is not the same as to get an appointment to a big designer in a different country.
0: I'm going to spice the question a little bit in this case. What would you do today if you were starting your business in New York?
1: These 10 years, I've seen the changes of the industry. They've been radical. Now more than ever with social media, that's what I think I would do actually. I would focus on social media.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Would you just do promotions of your work? Would you post more regularly? Or maybe you would approach people by DMs or something else?
1: I think I would shoot certain type of volume, certain type of work, approach people through social media, try to gain as many followers. That's why what happened to me 10 years ago is not going to happen again, because the world is so different. In 2008, there was no Instagram. So the world was moving still in paper. When I arrived to New York in 2010, you would still go and buy a beautiful portfolio, leather, and then you would buy these beautiful sheets and print your photos and send it to magazines. That doesn't exist anymore. So that's why I'm telling you that it changes so fast and so hard in these, not even 10 years, in these eight years since I arrived to New York, that what happened to me and the way I built myself in the city is just not relevant anymore. You don't want to come here and start printing a printed portfolio because you're already out of what's happening. And what's happening is social media and what's happening is followers, Instagrammers and YouTubers and It's still hard for me to kind of wrap my head around the industry in New York. I went, for example, to Paris two years ago and met with the photo editor of Vogue Paris at the time. And we were talking about web and social media and it felt like they were not still there while I'm coming back to New York. And that's my rush, social media. That's what's the most important, Virginia, for me to tell you, is that that's how different from Paris to New York, from Vogue U.S. to Vogue Paris. It's super, super different the way they approach it. America has been into pushing for digital and digital advertising and social media influencers already for a couple of years. Things that are still not happening as hard in other countries. And that's shaping and reshaping the industry where we are. I used to shoot for print. So it was important for us to shoot on a beautiful quality. It was important for us to shoot with the best possible camera, the best possible lens, because it's going to go printed. You're going to see all those details. If we go to what's happening right now, most of the stuff is just going to be living digital. So your priority has to change from shooting such beautiful quality to shoot more quantity.
0: It's true that the change is quite big. And I was wondering, what is the biggest quantity of photos you've ever had to shoot?
1: If it's for an editorial, like maybe 16 16 pictures we had to do in one day and we did it, we made it. But if you do e-commerce or a catalog, sometimes it goes to 70, 75. Depends on how fast and if you have many models so they can be changing and swapping.
0: I think if we talk about e-commerce and we have multiple models, I think it's a big relief, actually. Yes. Because this way, every one of them is bringing something to the table and you don't have to direct them that much. I love directing, don't get me wrong, but it's very energy consuming when you have to also shoot.
1: If you have only one girl or a guy, you have to wait for her to go change yeah. all that time. Everybody stops. If you have two people or three people, when one is out getting changed, the other one is already shooting. 70, 75 is a lot of the images. You're shooting usually on a tripod. And uh, make every second of the camera count.
0: What was the photo shoot? Maybe we can see it on your website. The photo shoot that made you feel like you're not working at all. It was so much fun. It was so amazing that you truly loved the process and also the results of it. Is there such work on your website? And you can also share with us what's your website.
1: Uh, My website is matayana with double L studios.com.
0: And you can guys always find it also in the show notes.
1: Work that was not work. In my website, there's a lot. Man of Metropolis, the cover was fun. It was pure editorial. So we built it as we wanted. We had freedom. The guy that's using that swimming hat. So what happens with these type of projects is like independent magazines sometimes give you a lot of freedom. You are creating content for them. So you go and you do what you want and you have control on what you want and that makes it fun because you are enjoying what you're doing. You don't have to do it, you do it because you want to. On the other side from the commission, commission means they call you because they want to produce this. For example, there's another story on my website that is for GQ. It has two guys like in a in a skate park. Mm-hmm. That was really fun.
0: Oh awesome. So it's for GQ Mexico? Yeah. Yeah, so tell us more about the relationship that you have with GQ Mexico because you're not based in Mexico. So it's an interesting relationship and I would love to know more about it.
1: With GQ Mexico, I have a relationship for already a couple of years. What happens is when you're in New York, you have showrooms for all these major brands that advertise in magazines like Vogue, Glamour, Harper's. GQ, all these different brands, they are advertisers for these magazines internationally. So when you're in New York, you kind of have access to the showrooms with the collections that are coming. So it's easy for you to grab clothes that you're going to feature in a couple months, right? That is the way that the American magazines work. You're shooting like six months in advance, five months in advance. Mm -hmm. The collections that are just coming out of the runway. So the story, when the story is out, the clothes that they're showcasing is already in the stores. But there's time for you to build the story and that's how it works. So from New York, it's easy to shoot for magazines that are international with international brands like a Harper's Bazaar. Because for different countries, usually their advertisers are international brands like Prada, Dior. All these brands are usually advertisers for magazines like Harper's or Vogue. And in New York, you have those showrooms. So it's easy. The relationship with GQ, Mexico started through a friend. I did a photo shoot for another Mexican magazine. And the editor of that magazine introduced me to the editor of GQ. That was, yeah, like three three or four years ago. And when the editor of GQ Mexico came to New York, he called me and he asked me if I wanted to do a story,
0: mm.
1: a main story. And we ended up doing two. It worked really nice. We got a really good model called Ollie Edwards for the second story. He's like top model. And it came out really nice. Uh, it was very easy to work with them. They liked the result. And that just ended up building up into what it is right now where I've shot several covers for them and I shoot like often.
0: This is so cool. And what about the other magazines that you have in your portfolio? Because you have so many of them and you actually have also a lot of covers. So this is one of the things that I definitely wanted to bring up in this conversation. And uh, I was wondering, do you have like the perfect recipe for a cover shoot?
1: I don't think there is a recipe for the covers. I think that if you see them all, they don't even look alike. I think that they all should depend on what the story is, what the body is, what the model, who's the model or who's the artist and what's the clothes. And you build it through it and also where it's going to be printed because every magazine has a different aesthetic, its own world. So you need to understand what you are doing. So what you do actually fits the magazine. Cosmo should not be shot like Vogue because the readers are trying to look for something different. So when you're shooting for Cosmo, you're actually looking for something that is more friendly, for something that is more approachable, while when you shoot for Harper's or for Vogue, in the high end of fashion. Fashion high end is usually more aggressive, it's more edgy. The models are usually not smiling. It's not to be approachable. It's more to be intense and edgy and cool looking, more than nice and easy. Every cover has a different approach. You have a world where you move around. And through that world, which is your personal aesthetic, you read what you need to do and then you approach it.
0: I was wondering if you're shooting the next cover for Vogue. What are the things that you would be super careful about? What are the things that you would do in advance? What would you do on the post? What would be your process if you were shooting the next cover of Vogue?
1: Which Vogue I'm shooting for? Because every Vogue is different. I've never shot for Vogue. Which one would you choose? It depends. If I'm feeling sexy, like shooting something sexy, I would love to shoot for Vogue Paris. Okay. The French see the woman, like is very sexy if i want to do something creative and cool and edgy then vogue italia vogue italia is very artsy and very interesting
0: so how do you feel at the moment do you feel sexy or more creative <laughs> i've never thought that i'm going to ask this question in this podcast
1: <laughs> i think right now mm-hmm. i think vogue italia is interesting
0: okay perfect
1: i think we're going through a moment where sexiness is it's it's a complicated thing right now
0: Okay, so let's stick to Vogue Italy. You're shooting the next cover of Vogue Italy. What would you do from start to finish to make sure that you're going to have the best result possible?
1: If I really had the chance to shoot a cover for Vogue, my main thing would be to get the best team. That's it. Perfect. I would just focus on getting the best team. Everything else rolls. Everything else rolls. If you have an amazing stylist. If the magazine has their own stylist, it's easy. If they're giving you freedom, then I would find somebody who fits. Usually the magazines have themes. So I would like try to see if they give me a theme, who would be the fashion editor? That would be my first approach is to see who's the fashion editor. If the creative director is getting an input there and what's like the mood board and depending on the mood board, then I would look for the best hair, makeup and model to achieve the best. That possibility, I would have to, I would put everything in, make the best out of it.
0: I love that you actually started with the research because this is something that we repeat very often in this podcast that you need to do your research in advance. So I really appreciate that. You said that you would take a look at the editor. You will know who's going to be exactly the stylist. I also like the fact that you started giving us some hints, so you would definitely have a mood board, you're going to have the best team ever, and uh, what about the cover, what are you going to do, is it going to be the very first photo that you take, or maybe you're going to wait for the model to warm up with a few sets for the editorial that we are giving you (laughs) in the magazine, or you're just going to start with the cover right away, what would you do?
1: That is also something that I am pretty loose with. I usually try to start with the easiest of the look, whichever is the least important, Mm -hmm. because that's a good warm-up. But there's a couple models that are very aware or self-aware, and they think that the first shot is where the makeup and hair looks the most fresh, so they want to go for cover like that. So I just roll with it. If you're shooting a cover for Vogue Italia, you have a big model for sure. You have a big model or you have a big celebrity and you have to roll with them. They have to feel comfortable. You cannot tell them like the cover is going to be the last image. If they know that they're going to feel bad, that they're going to feel tired and that the cover is not going to be good, then that's going to shape the way they act for this whole shoot. If they're going to be nice, if they're going to be like cranky. It is important to have your team, including the model, working with you to get the best. And at the end, she's the one whose face is going to be printed. So you have to be able to be loose also depending on the clothes. Many things can happen. Maybe the cover is going to be with her in the bathtub inside water. So then you have to leave it by the end. It's case by case and you have to be open to what's happening around you and how the people are feeling it.
0: I like the little role play here. So I can actually feel that you're starting to envision this cover. So let's stick to the bathtub situation because I really love it. And Mm -hmm. let me ask you here, would you try with different crops?
1: Usually I try different stuff, like get closer I wouldn't call it crops, I would say different shots for mm-hmm. the same look. So I can come closer, can can go farther, I can uh, change the angle. Especially if it's the cover, I would try as much as I can to have as many possibilities as time gives us. Usually it's time what like you have to be careful with. But if I have all the time, I would do as many possibilities because... At the end, the more you have to play with the best. Usually what you don't have is a lot of time.
0: How much time would you give to this particular photo and this particular set? What's the time frame that it's acceptable for you to leave for a photo like this? Like, for example, you cannot stretch it for two hours because for two hours, oh my God, like your model is going to be so tired. So... Maybe there is a time frame for you that you think is acceptable to get the shot.
1: Yeah, usually you shouldn't go more than 20 minutes shooting. Even 20 minutes just taking photos is a lot of time. You would use that like just to change looks or to do different stuff around. The two hours can be taken, especially if you're doing a cover for Vogue Italy. It can be even farther because sometimes just things don't look the way you think they will. When you shoot, it just doesn't look like that. So then. You start changing stuff like the hair is not looking good. The makeup's not looking good. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's not the look. Uh, Maybe we need to change stuff here and there. So it's not that you're doing two hours of like shoot and shoot and shoot. It's just like you're preparing the shot. If you're doing a shot for a magazine like that, you take the time it takes with celebrities, it's different because celebrities have like very limited time. And sometimes they give you four hours to do everything and they get late two hours. So then at the end, you have two hours to do everything.
0: That's true.
1: That happens. So that's what I'm saying. For me, the biggest strength to do this type of work is to be able to adapt quick to whatever happens. There are no rules. There are celebrities that come and they're very nice and they give you extra time. There are celebrities that arrive late and they don't behave very well. They don't make it very easy. So you have to be able to make it work and you have to talk it to the editor and say like, Hey, listen, this person is not making it easy. And you know, I'm doing my work, but I'm going to do as much as I can. And they need to know what's going on. And we all know what's happening. We all know that certain people are more difficult than others, but you have to be able to manage and you have to be able to change. You have to be able to understand that sometimes the person, the celebrity or the major model might come and see the clothes and say, I don't like that. If you're shooting Naomi Campbell, she is managing the set.
0: Is this the person you want to shoot for your Vogue cover?
1: For Vogue Italia?
0: Yeah. Who would be your dream person?
1: Well, I would love to shoot Kate Moss.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I can already envision her in the bathtub.
1: <laughs> I, I, that Well, yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> it's more in the concept of what things happen because as i was telling you it's hard to think that there is um like a recipe for this it's actually i don't think there's a recipe you're not cooking where if you put the same amount of salt and the same amount of thing and the same amount of things and you put it in the oven for the same amount of time you know exactly what's going to happen because you depend on people and you depend on circumstances if you're shooting outside and it rains Or if you're shooting outside and it's cloudy and if you're shooting outside and it's sunny, all those circumstances change. You have to be able to adapt.
0: I don't know if there is a recipe, but you definitely gave us a taste of your perfect cover and I really, really wish you are going to have it very, very Mm. soon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be beautiful. I don't know what I would do after that. We'll keep shooting covers probably. It feels like such a dream to get to that place because it's a very, it's the elite of the elite to get to that point. It's almost this very little group of 10, 15 people in the whole world that get to do that.
0: I don't think it's impossible because we've had like 80% of those people in our podcast. <laughs> so the world is small. That's
1: covers for Vogue Italia?
0: Yeah. So the world is small and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right?
1: (laughs) That's true. A hundred percent. Like, no, never say never. And you still have to have that as a target and push for it. And if it happens, amazing.
0: I definitely recommend you. I don't know if you've heard the podcast with Domen that we had, but it's it's a great podcast and Domen is also amazing. He's shooting a lot for vogue Arabia, so you can check out his photos because he's um actually part of a duo domen the it's very hard for me to pronounce it um but domen was our guest here in the podcast and we talk about the vogue editors and covers that he's doing along with his partner and i really think they're producing amazing stuff so maybe you'll be really inspired by them too <laughs>
1: For sure. I mean, I would love to. Awesome. I want to take a look at what he does and uh, 100% will check the podcast. Perfect. You're actually making me think in a lot of stuff. Yeah. It, it seems that you get caught up by the industry, you get caught by your day to day and you stop it's forgetting true. about your dreams. So you're making me dream about Vogue Italia, which in my day to day, I'm not thinking about that because I'm already enrolled into what I'm doing. But before I came to New York, you're more aware of like, oh, that's where I want to be. That's where I'm going. Once you get here, you get to the city and you start like working. And then your focus is like, let's get work. Let's get editorials. And you start like seeing what the process is. The process is long. It's a very long process. Mm -hmm. And I wish, for example, with the questions that you asked me, I wish I had answers for the people that are starting, especially not in New York, but in different places. But it is confusing for me right now. The industry is confusing. It's true. I'm doing fine. I love my job. I have a nice studio in Manhattan. I have a like I have a nice uh, office, and I live. I have a my girlfriend works in the industry. She's a um, producer for DKNY. Nice. In my day to day, I'm being part of what's happening and everything else. But it's easy to stop dreaming.
0: It's true. Yeah.
1: It's easy to get caught on this.
0: And as far as I can see, you're quite busy. And for me, it's kind of weird because I saw that you have representation by Kate Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have syndication with art partner. Yes. And at the same time, they're representing other people. And I was like, why are you not with art partner as representation?
1: Because our partner represents a caliber of photographers that is that they're like pools of photographers, right? Like there's like different groups, which is what I was trying to say about Italia. Mm-hmm. I can shoot covers for Harper's Bazaar Mexico. I can shoot covers maybe for Harper's Bazaar Russia. But when you get to America or when you go to France, because they are the ones that are the biggest in the industry, those are the ones that are actually using the biggest of the talent. But what it means in that is not only the most talented people, but it comes with business. Yeah. These guys doing Gucci campaign. These guys doing this. So there's like a lot of things that move around for you to be able to get to that place. Not only is who you know, but what you have done. And if you see our partner as an agency that represents photographers, they don't represent many.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: The ones that represent, they're like million dollar photographers. They're like uh, Merton Marcus and Glenn Lodgeford and Lachlan Bailey. And the young ones that they represent are photographers that, since they're young, they've been like hard in the industry, like Hurleyware. Like Hurley is is a very young girl, but if you see what she does, it's very. Our partner. Exactly. So, but when you go to our partner licensing, there's a lot of photographers that we're not part of the roster of our partner, but our work is being sold through our partner to magazines and companies because our work is, I would say, good enough to be there. It's just our partner is a different tier.
0: Did you approach them by yourself?
1: I got represented by a partner because the person who was representing me in a different licensing company, she moved to our partner and she's not only a good friend of mine, but she likes my work. She enjoys selling my work.
0: That's awesome.
1: I think she's the first person that believed in me, to be honest. Aww. I remember when she was at this other company, which I find to be a great company as well. But I remember when when she was moving to this and we had a conversation before because I I knew I was going to stay without her. Like she was going to move to our partner by herself. Like there was no way I was coming to our partner. Again, I was younger. My portfolio wasn't there, but I like working with her. She believes in me and I I work with people that believe in me better than like just people that are great in the industry and stuff like that. She just happened to be at that age.
0: It's so awesome to have amazing people around you, like good humans overall, not just good professionals, but above all, good
1: humans. That's important for like most of the people that are doing these. They have to meet people. If you're really good and your images are beautiful, but you don't know anyone, you're not going to go anywhere. You can be really good, but there's like too many good people. So after you're too good Like too many good people, then you have to be too many people and very well connected. This is what's important. Preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. What would I do is take that huge opportunity and make the best out of it, which means even if I don't have to take $1, $1, I would spend the whole budget in getting the best people because I need to take that chance that I'm getting and I need to make the best out of it. Once you have that team, getting the best model or getting the best celebrity possible is easy because they want to be part of it. They know there's going to be so beautiful and it's going to add to their image. So if you put your energy in getting your right team, everything else rides. Right, everything else is easy. But you need to be prepared, especially in a city like this, because we're competing. We're a lot of people competing for very little spots In New York, there's a lot of production, e-commerce, catalogs, editorials, campaigns. But there's everybody who wants to make it big, 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 big in the industry come to New York. Amazing photographers from London, Paris, Milan come to New York to make it big. Not because you cannot make it in Paris, but because in New York, there's like the big campaigns and everything are happening here. And the brands, uh, the headquarters are happening here. The business side is here. That's why what I do here in New York might not work in other places, because you have to manage the business in such a different way. Like here, there's agencies. In other places of the world, like in smaller markets, there's no agencies because you don't need to. If you go to Colombia, you kind of can call a company and get an appointment with the person who's managing marketing and and it's easy. It's more person to person. But here is, there's so many people and there's so much happening that everything becomes way more organized and there's more levels to get to a certain point, to get to another, to work for SACS. Your portfolio has to get to the art buyer who's going to send it to the art director and they're getting hundreds of portfolios. Every time I make an editorial, my agency sends the editorial to all the clients. Because the idea is if somebody has an idea to do something similar to what I did, they're going to call me. They're going to say, oh, we're looking to do something like this. That's, That's the other thing that happens in New York. They're very specific. The clients call you because you have something in the portfolio that they want for themselves. In other parts of the world, if you're a photographer, you can shoot a car, you can shoot a baby, or you can shoot a model or a glass you're supposed to be more technical and no but here in America you're very very specialized so if I shoot women and there's a campaign that is for men and I don't have men even if my light and everything works amazing they would ask do you shoot men like if it was very different for me that i come from a different country it, at the beginning was like hmm it's funny because it's actually the same but then when it takes when it's my time and i'm looking for hair and makeup, to do something very specific, I check on the portfolios and I try to see, I, I look for hair and makeup that have done stuff that is in that style. Because I know that hair and makeup sometimes is not easy. And because I know that hair and makeup, if the hairstylist takes four hours doing hair, which you don't know what they're doing, you are working with a hairstylist, they're usually putting heat in the hair if they're doing something So you don't know it until it's ready. You cannot tell them, like, I don't like that in the middle. There's no way to test it until it's ready. Then they take everything. They take the heat. They take the rolls. And then they bring the brush. And they brush it five minutes. Boom. It is what it is. You just spend four hours. If they didn't do it right, you just wasted half your day. It's true, yeah. So that's why we become very specific. And the agencies is like, Kate Ryan sells my work as production.
0: Weren't they mad a little bit when you went with Art Partner for the syndication?
1: Not because they don't have syndication. If somebody calls them to say, like, in a job that I do for them, and they want to extend usage of an image, usually the client would call them because the job was through them. But that's about it. They don't have somebody sending photos to clients, sending photos to magazines, trying to sell them. Because what we're selling in syndication is images that have been produced for something already
0: but can be used for something else too.
1: Let's say the swim story was shot for a magazine here in America, but it can also be seen in China. It can also be seen in in the Middle East, in completely different places where they're not going to be competing with each other. And that either magazine or that client, they're getting the content that they need. It's a whole other side of the industry where, for example, if you see Merton Marcus, they're an art partner, but their syndication is through Trunk Archive.
0: Yeah, which is even weirder.
1: (laughs) It is like a different side of the business, so it's normal, I would say. You are also a fashion photographer, right?
0: Yeah, I do shoot fashion and advertising.
1: Where are you located?
0: Europe. I was born and raised in Sofia. Here is my home. I'm in Sofia at the moment, but I'm traveling a lot.
1: You're based wherever...
0: Wherever I have work. (laughs) But my home is in Sofia. And you sound like you kind of want to be partly in Paris because it sounds like you really like Paris.
1: I like Paris. No, I would like to go more often. I like the way French look at fashion and the way the French look at sexuality and women. And I think that there's stuff that is happening in this country right now that makes it hard A couple of years ago, it was easy, and now it feels like anything you do, you can get in trouble. If the major photographers like Bruce Weber and Mario Testino are having the issues that they're having, and now it's complicated. I'm not saying that what they did is right or wrong. There's a lot of things happening right now, not only in fashion and not only sexually, but people are just throwing names in social media which is burning people's careers as well. Sometimes they deserve it and sometimes it's a little bit irresponsible and sometimes there's lack of context on what the way things happen. Because when you tweet about someone that said something and people rage about it and there's no context to it and that person, if they lose their job or their family and there's no context on that, that is as well shaping the industry. I used to shoot a lot of sexy images, and we did with GQ the first nude photo shoot for a cover, a like full nude for the cover of GQ Mexico. It was going to be the cover of January or February 2018. I flew to Mexico, we shot four Mexican models, and when I came back to New York, the whole Mario Testino thing started and they just killed the shoot. Publishers are afraid Taking a misstep to having people in social media backlashing, it, and that's hardcore in America. So that's I feel that's making certain things and certain people more cautious. And more cautious sometimes means like not even do anything that is a dumb risk because it is a risk. It's always a risk when you have somebody that can come out and say that if if a model comes and we don't have a good vibe or she feels that I'm too rough. Like the way I talk or I said something, if she's not moving the way I want, then I'm like, ugh. Like if I have that attitude, which I'm a human, you know, sometimes it happens. Sometimes you're annoyed at people and she comes and she calls the agent and she said that I did something inappropriate. It's going to go. Her words against mine. It doesn't even need to be true. It can hurt you. So you end up being much more cautious and that also means that you start or stop doing certain stuff. There's some other stuff that I think that the industry does need to protect women in certain environments more. And um, I think there's some changes that have to happen in the industry in terms of not only to protect the women, but also to protect the people in power. Because when you're in power, it's gonna sound weird, but when you're in power, you're also an easy target. Some of the stories are true, but I'm sure that some of the stories are not true. And if you are the person in power, you're the one who's going to lose because it's not legal anymore. It is about people raging on the internet. That's giving you a career or not. Remember what I told you when you said like what I would tell somebody who just arrived to New York to make an Instagram or a YouTube as big as possible? Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. That's what's making your career is like what people are talking about how many people are following you. So if people are saying that you should not be working, then a company wouldn't even wait for you to go to court and defend yourself, but they're going to stop working with you.
0: That's true, yeah.
1: And that is a new thing. It hasn't been two years.
0: I don't know if you know that, but actually Mario Testino had a podcast right before The Big Scandal. So there are just a few episodes of the podcast out, I think. It's on Apple and you can listen to it. I would love to. But right after the scandal, he shut it down. It's still out. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, but there are no new episodes.
1: There is so much happening. And before you're innocent until they can prove that you're not. Now it doesn't matter. Now it's like you're guilty until you prove you're innocent. And once you prove you're innocent, it doesn't matter when you're already guilty in social media.
0: Yeah, it's true. You're already
1: burned. So that shapes everything that's happening. That shapes what you want to, and that shapes what people are doing. And One of the things that happens with photography is you're you're doing something that you want to feel passionate about it. I love sexy fashion. I love W Magazine. I love shoots that are like Mario Sorrenti or Merton Marcus, where they see women as attractive because I'm a straight photographer. So I see women attractive. And I love those images because they make me feel. They bring me sensations. If I see a beautiful, like the Carolina Herrera photo, the perfume—I think it's a perfume—where this girl with a a beautiful dress in like a mansion, it's, it's a pink dress, and she's like with a flower. That's pretty. And I see it as a beautiful image, but it's not making me feel anything. When I see an editorial for W magazine. It's so sexy, you know, it's like it's very inspiring and that's becoming complicated. And that's why if I wanted to do something like that, I would love to do it for Vogue Paris or for a French magazine. I think French still love men and women or men and men and women and women, it doesn't matter, but they still embrace sexuality and embrace feeling attractive and feeling attracted. Uh, you know, it's it's a complicated one. You have to know how to navigate it. You have to make sure that everything is not only even correct, but you have to have witness because you don't want to be in a situation where it's your word against, against somebody else.
0: It's complicated, but I think you have kind of figured it out when you can just travel somewhere. That's the reason why I'm traveling, because... I like it in Sofia, it's comfortable for me, my family's here, most of my friends are here. But I need to travel because um, I get what I need from my traveling, but I still like where I am in the end. So you can kind of do the same when you're traveling to Paris to do the things that you like and you want, but you can still stay in the States where is your girlfriend and where you have your agency and stable work.
1: Yes, also traveling. It's like studying, you know, you're seeing cultures, you're seeing architecture. How do I get the cover of Glamour Russia? Is I went to Russia. I went for the World Cup. It took me a month and a half to be there and travel around the country. I went to a bunch of places in Russia. And in some of those days, I went and I met people. I showed them what I do, and they were interested, and they brought me back to shoot that cover.
0: Amazing.
1: There was nothing more to that.
0: Daniel, thank you so much for the interview. I want to say big, big thank you. I really do believe that people are going to enjoy it a lot.
1: Oh my God, Virginia, thank you very much. This is the first time I do this. It's actually interesting. It's very nice and a beautiful voice.
0: Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. That was it, guys. I hope you liked the podcast today. And if so, don't forget to subscribe to our show. Next Wednesday, we'll be here with another guest. But before that, don't forget to tune in. On Friday when I'll be giving some tips, tricks and proven recipes. All of the links that we mentioned today you can find on photographypodcast.net along with all of our previous podcasts and some spicy new materials like articles on our blog section. Don't forget to check it out. love you so much and I cannot wait to see you on Friday!